0: Just search for the Belmont Media Podcast Network. And now on to the talking news. Committee Reduces High School Costs by Diane McLaughlin. After determining in April that the design plan for the new Belmont Middle and High School exceeded the budget by 30 million, the High School Building Committee has managed to reduce the project's costs. In a series of four meetings between April 22nd and May 3rd, the committee identified opportunities to eliminate features of the design or choose less expensive alternatives. During the first meeting, High School Building Committee Chairman Bill Lovello said he was not surprised that the project initially exceeded its budget. The construction budget is about $237 million. The project must stay on budget in order to receive an 80 million dollar reimbursement from the massachusetts school building authority many belmont residents were concerned that the committee would abandon plans for net zero efficiency by eliminating rooftop solar arrays from the new building a standing room only crowd attended the april 22nd meeting at the homer municipal building art gallery to show support for net zero energy goals. In the final meeting to discuss the budget items on May 3rd, the committee decided to keep the solar panels. The estimated cost of the solar arrays is about uh, $3 million. So how did the committee reduce the budget by $30 million? On May 3rd, the committee finished identifying changes that would reduce the cost estimated by $25 million. Here are some of the items affected. Though the design plan is not final, Skankata expects to reduce staffing by $500,000, the equivalent of one full-time employee for the project, and reduce labor costs by $300,000. The committee eliminated video projection systems in the field house and small gymnasium saving a combined total of $885,000. More than $90,000 in savings comes from a 10% reduction of equipment in the auditorium, the black box theater, and the cafeteria and dining commons. Simplifying the lights throughout the building saved $1.3 million. The change will not affect the amount of lighting originally targeted for the building, Lovello said, adding that some classrooms had 30% more lighting than needed. The committee recently learned that a special drainage system was not needed for the middle school science classrooms because students at this level do not use chemicals that require the system. This reduced cost by about $119,000. Because theater productions are student-led, safety was a concern for the committee, Perkins and Will suggested several alternatives for the catwalks and the access lighting, scenery, and other aspects of the theater production. The committee opted for a simplified structure of catwalks, resulting in the savings of $132,000. About $1.5 million was saved with multiple changes related to the windows. Some of those changes uh, included reducing the height of classroom windows by 5 inches, eliminating wood benches from classroom, from classroom window systems and reducing the size of one of two planned innovation sky, uh, space skywalks, skylights, excuse me. Nearly $6.9 million in savings came from more than 30 changes to the interior. A few of these included using different flooring material, simplifying the ceilings and reducing the amount of glass in the building. Almost $5 million in savings resulted from structural changes, including keeping the facade of the fieldhouse instead of demolishing it. That alone saved almost $2.8 million. Ornamental grasses planned for the school arrival areas will be replaced with seeded lawns and irrigation, saving $235,000. Eliminating freestanding seawalls at outdoor classrooms saved $141,000. The new school building calls for geothermal wells, and they will be reduced from 320 to 300 to save $364,000. The ceiling and building heights were lowered, resulting in almost 1 million in savings. Changes of about $925,000 were made to the exterior architecture. Lavello said that the list of items would be a living document and more items could change. And now over to my colleague, Claire.
1: Thank you, Bob. A Grad Becomes Empress of Japan by Joanna K. Devellis. It's not every day a Belmont High School grad becomes a princess or an empress. Masako Owada, a member of the BHS class of 1981, married Japan's Crown Prince Naruhito, heir to Japan's ancient Chrysanthemum throne on June 9, 1993. According to an article in the June 10, 1993 edition of the Belmont Citizen Herald, 190,000 well-wishers lined downtown streets as Naruhito and his new bride, clad in formal western-style attire, rode in a Rolls-Royce convertible for a short parade after the wedding. 26 years later, on May 1st, 2019, Masako officially became the Empress of Japan with the succession of her husband, Naruhito, as its emperor. The Belmont Citizen Herald story in the June 10th, 1993 edition, Royal Wedding in Tokyo of Belmont's Princess, reads, The Long-Awaited Marriage of the Future Emperor to the Crown Princess who reluctantly gave up a diplomatic career to marry into the world's oldest royal family, promises to bring Japan's throne, its most cosmopolitan couple ever. According to the Citizen Herald article, Owada, who was 29 on her wedding day, spent much of her childhood following her father, Hisa Saoie Owada, Japan's top Korea diplomat, on postings abroad. According to the article, Owada was educated at Harvard and Oxford, where 33-year-old Narohito, a devotee and rock climb, of rock climbing and Mozart, also studied. During her years at Foreign Ministry, Masako worked as a specialist in trade issues with the United States, according to the article. While a student at BHS, Owada participated in softball, the senior class play, and the French club and math team. Putting Belmont on the map as a Japanese tourist attraction. The announcement of Owada's engagement to Japan's crown prince attracted tourists from Japan to Belmont. In the May 6, 1993 edition of the Citizen Herald, officials bemused by Japanese interest in a letter to the Japanese consulate and three tourism groups, Selectman Tobes, Warner, Lists the points of interest as Belmont High School, Belmont Public Library, and Belmont Center. The teacher represents a town in Japan. Lillian Katz, a former BHS English as a Second Language teacher, had the responsibility of delivering a proclamation by the Board of Selectmen honoring the nuptials of the town's most famous former resident, Masako Awada. It was created on a scroll by Belmont artists Nan Rogers, Susan Reichen, and Catherine Mahoney, according to an article in the Citizen Herald. Katz attended Owada's wedding, courtesy of an invitation from Nippon TV, a commercial network. On the day of the wedding, Katz was in front of Nippon TV cameras, along with people from Harvard University who knew Owada when she studied there, after her graduation from BHS in 1981. Owada was a student of Katz in her ESL class. An article in June 1993, edition of Citizen Herald, Meeting the Princess, reads, Katz visited Owada's home in Tokyo the day before the wedding. She hadn't seen her in at least 10 years. She looked regal. She's very lovely. She carries herself as a princess, said Katz in the article. Surprise visit from the Japanese royal in-law. In the Citizen Herald, Princess mom's visit a surprise. Masako's mother, Yumiko Owada, visited Belmont High School where she presented a commemorative copy of the Imperial Wedding Album. She also visited the home of former selectman Ann Tobes Warner, who said she had just four hours to prepare her home for the visit. It was an extremely formal visit with lots of bowing and long, elegant thank yous, said Warner in the article. Yumiko presented Warner with an imperial wedding album, and Warner gave her a sweatshirt from Champion Sporting Goods. She liked the sweatshirt so much, she asked where it came from in order to direct tourists to the store, said Warner in the article. Belmont Women's Club Royal Wedding Celebration On Masako's wedding day, June 9, 1993, the Belmont Women's Club held a gala concert and reception to celebrate the royal wedding at the BHS Auditorium. The June 1993 edition of the Citizen Herald, Stars Turn Out for Wedding Celebration, describes the event attended by about 600 residents and dignitaries. Artifacts at Belmont Public Library. There is a display case of artifacts from the wedding of Masako Owada in the reference room at the Belmont Public Library, including an original wedding invitation, Japanese magazine, cover story in Newsweek magazine, and much more. Now, over to Max.
2: Thanks, Claire. Panel OK's pilot program for pot cafes in state by Dan Adams. Licensed marijuana cafes could eventually open in Massachusetts after the State Cannabis Control Commission on Thursday voted to approve a social consumption pilot program in up to a dozen Massachusetts cities and towns. Proponents called the Commission's 3-2 to two vote a historic step toward normalizing marijuana as part of the Massachusetts economy, while making it easier and safer to consume the drug legally and rolling out the businesses in a limited fashion, they said, will allow the state to collect data on any problems and adjust its rules accordingly before the cafes are allowed to proliferate statewide. But any cannabis lounge ribbon cuttings are probably a long way off. Massachusetts legislators would have to tweak state law for the pilot to move forward, and marijuana officials must write and approve detailed rules with requirements for ventilation systems, dosing, and the prevention of stoned driving. A commission vote on these regulations could happen by the end of the month, but the timeline for a legislative action is uncertain. Still, for tourists, renters, and those who live in public housings, such facilities could for the first time provide a legal place to consume a legal product. Hotels and apartments typically ban smoking, and public consumption of marijuana is illegal quote, right now they don't have a place to go or they're going to unregulated events that are happening all around the state, unquote, said Commissioner Shailene T. Title, who drafted the proposal along with Hoffman and a working group of seven local officials from around the state. Quote, we've been asked for by the consumers and by public safety officials to create a regulated system where there's some safety measures in place, there's some health some public health measures in place, and it will benefit the state to have those." In addition to cannabis cafes, the new policy would also (coughs) permit event organizers to apply for one-day licenses, allowing them to serve pot to adult guests for on-site consumption, opening the door to cannabis-enhanced concerts, weddings, and more. Such events could not also serve alcohol. Advocates cheered the Commission's decision to issue social consumption licenses initially only to small-scale, locally-owned cannabis farmers and processors, plus minorities and other groups that were disproportionately harmed by the war on drugs, or that will help those who were. They said that the event licenses in particular could provide disenfranchised entrepreneurs struggling to raise capital with a foothold in the state's lucrative marijuana business which has so far been dominated by large, wealthy operators. Commissioners Britt McBride and Jen Flanagan voted against the proposal, citing concerns about stoned driving. Quote, The potential for harm outweighs the potential for good, unquote, McBride said, arguing that the commission should delay consideration of the licenses until a proposed law stiffening penalties for cannabis-impaired drivers is enacted. Flanagan added, that she is worried the commission's policy will give false hope to those hoping to start social consumption companies when in reality the policy may never come to fruition to address concerns about impaired driving the proposal approved thursday would limit the quantity of marijuana each person each patron could consume and mandate that servers at social consumption businesses and events be trained on detecting impairment Operators would also need to get approval from the Commission and their municipalities on a plan for giving patrons options to get home without driving. The plan attempts to quiet any political blowback for by containing social consumption businesses to pot-friendly cities and towns who are leaders or whose leaders are eager to be pioneers in the space. That's a frustration to some advocates who argue marijuana is far less harmful than alcohol and should not be regulated more strictly. Bars, after all, are pervasive in Massachusetts. But other proponents noted that the Commission's initial attempt to authorize a greater variety of social consumption businesses around the state in 2018 fizzled amid criticism from the administration of Governor Charlie Baker, which called the facilities a public safety risk and insisted the agency should focus first on licensing marijuana retail shops. They said the Commission's current, more cautious approach gives the idea a greater chance of succeeding. Under the Commission's plan, Cannabis Cafes could only open in a dozen municipalities whose elected officials opt-in. That will take a change in state law, which currently says cities and towns must hold community-wide referendums asking local voters to approve such facilities. Secretary of State William Galvin, whose office oversees elections, has said the language of that provision is unworkable as written and has discouraged municipalities from organizing votes. The five municipalities that participated in developing the regulation, Amherst, North Adams, Provincetown, Somerville, and Springfield, would get the first crack at participating, with the remaining spots to be filled by cities and towns that had geographic and demographic diversity. Over to you, Bob.
0: Thanks, Max. Five more states to sue over the opioid crisis by Lenny Bernstein of the Washington Post. Five states announced Thursday that they would sue uh, Purdue Pharma and a member of the Sackler family that controls the drug company, accusing them of deceptively pushing powerful painkillers and misrepresenting the drug's safety as they sparked the opioid crisis. Attorneys General of West Virginia, Maryland, Kansas, Iowa, and Wisconsin will file lawsuits it was not immediately clear which states were targeting Richard Sackler, the former president of the company, as well as the company itself. In a news conference, West Virginia's Attorney General Patrick Morrissey and his state were seeking to hold both the company and the Sacklers responsible for the deaths and other harms from the worst drug epidemic in U.S. history. Even when it becomes apparent that thousands of people were dying of opioid abuse, Purdue doubled down by continuing its relentless and deceptive campaign to, to persuade doctors to write prescriptions for its powerful narcotic OxyContin, Morrissey said. At least 36 other states have sued companies involved in manufacturing, distributing, and dispensing opioids. About 1,600 cities and counties, Native American tribes, and others have also filed claims that they have That they have been consolidated in an enormous federal lawsuit in Cleveland. Morrissey said his state's lawsuit would be filed there, but some of the other states would join the large multi-district litigation in Ohio. Spokesmen for Purdue and Sackler did not immediately respond to requests for comment. In March, Purdue agreed to a $270 million out-of-court settlement with the state of Oklahoma where the company faced its first trial on these issues at the end of May. Some of that money will be paid by members of the Sackler family. Last week, Purdue won a victory in state court when a North Dakota judge dismissed the state's lawsuit against Purdue. Purdue's president and chief executive, uh, Craig Landau, said in March that declaring bankruptcy is an option the company might have to explore If jury verdicts or settlements become too costly, overdoses caused by opioids are responsible for more than 400,000 deaths since 1999, with about half from prescription narcotics, according to the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention. Thursday's announcement came a day after New York's Metropolitan Museum of Art became the latest cultural institution to say it would no longer accept donations from members of the Sackler family, who are major donors to art museums and educational institutions. The legal actions add to the list of states seeking compensation for the deaths and damage from the two-decade-old drug crisis that began after Purdue introduced its powerful painkiller OxyContin in 1996 and aggressively promoted the drug to physicians for for a wide variety of aches and pains. In documents released in February as part of its lawsuit, Massachusetts alleged that members of the Sackler family directed sales representatives to push extremely high doses of the drug. The state's attorney general, Mara Healey, accused the company of engaging in frequent acts of deception and misconduct to make it m- as much money as possible, even as OxyContin launched the crisis and its toll of addiction and death. In a court filing responding to the lawsuit, lawyers for members of the Sackler family said Healey's lawsuit contains misleading and inflammatory allegations and takes internal company emails out of context. And now over to Claire.
1: Thank you, Bob. Four Things to Know About Town Meeting by Joanna K. Zavallis. Additional funds approved for police and DPW projects. Town Meeting voted 223 to 16 in favor of appropriating an additional $3,756,494 for the renovation and additions to the police and public works facilities. Last spring, Town Meeting approved $7.4 million for the project, funding through a bond offering. The original estimate for the two projects was no more than 9 million, million total, with no debt exclusion required. According to Anne-Marie Mahoney, chairman of the DPW Police Building Committee, the total amount needed for both the police and public works renovation projects has increased 38% to $12,555,069. This amount includes $8.9 million for the construction and an additional $500,000 needed to relocate the police in rented trailers on the Water Department campus. It also includes $1,147,000 for the project manager. It also includes $808,575 community preservation funds to renovate the historic exterior. The additional $1.9 million is being requested for appropriation and will be reserved for contingency and returned if unused, Mahoney said. Payson Park bandstand has been postponed. After a third attempt to get community preservation funds to build a bandstand at Payson Park for the Payson Park Music Festival, Thomasina Olson, founder of the festival, may need to wait another year. Town meeting member Linda Oates made a motion to postpone the request for ninety thousand dollars to build the bandstand indefinitely, and the motion was adopted by town meeting two hundred and eight to twenty-three. Oates argued she was in favor of a gazebo design and was not aware of the final farm stand design being proposed. She said the project design and scope was not shared with abutters of Payson Park. Oates said she emailed, called and visited neighbors who were home on the weekend and was not able to find a single abutter who received a notice about the project and the vote before town meeting. I believe the neighborhood was woefully uninformed. she said, How can you make a decision without import from neighbors? Anthony Ferranti, chairman of the Recreation Commission, said he was surprised the letters did not go out to abutters. Olson was not present at town meeting. In an email to the Citizen Herald following the vote, she said 39 letters of support for the project were submitted with the CPA application. She also said, With the help of the community development, All abutters were invited to a meeting at the Beach Street Center to discuss the bandstand. Only one neighborhood couple came to the meeting, she said. Length of town moderator term will stay the same. After four votes on whether or not to approve a home rule petition to change the length of the town moderator's term of office from one year to three year term, the article was again defeated. Town meeting originally defeated the Article 122 to 124 on April 29th. However, a request for a roll call vote was approved, and the roll call vote changed the outcome, passing the Article 126 to 124. On May 6th, town meeting members had the opportunity to vote again on Article 10. This time, town meeting members had more time to discuss the pros and cons of changing the length of town moderator's term. They also were given a clearer explanation of the town moderator's role and responsibilities, which include appointing members to four town-wide committees, including the Warrant Committee, Bylaw Review Committee, Permanent Building Advisory Committee, and Capital Budget Committee. The margin of difference on the vote, May 6, was considerably wider. The initial vote was 141 to 82 against, changing the length of the town moderator's term. The final electronic roll call vote was 139 against, extending the term, 79 in favor of extending the term of office, and one abstain. Six community preservation projects approved. Town meeting approved the appropriation of funding for six community preservation projects on the third night of town meeting, May 6. The projects are restoration of Belmont Police Station exterior facade for 787,000, repairing Town Hall Committee, um, sorry, Town Hall complex slate roofs for $100,000. The design of Phase 1B of the community path connecting Brighton Street to Clark Street for $1 million. The design of the town, field, playground, and courts for $60,000. Clay pit pond preservation and restoration of vegetation for $20,000. And control of non-native and invasive vegetation at Rock Meadow Habitat preservation for $25,000. Now, here's Max.
2: Thank you, Claire. Town Meeting Passes Non-Binding Resolution for Climate Action Plan by Joanna K. Tzovellis. After a lengthy discussion by Town Meeting members May 1st, a roll call vote passed the article for a non-binding climate plan resolution which will move Belmont toward achieving its carbon emission reduction objectives, 80% by 2050. The roll call vote was 196 to 14 opposed and 14 abstained. Prior to the roll call vote, the article passed 187 to 33. According to Belmont's Energy Committee chairman Roger Colton, the resolution is the next step in achieving the town's climate action goals contained in the Climate Action Plan approved by a special town meeting in 20 in 2019, excuse me, 2009. The resolution asks town meeting to endorse the roadmap developed by the Energy Committee which determined that by moving Belmont light to an emission-free supply, electrifying vehicles, and pursuing conversions of fuel, oil, and national, natural gas heating systems to electric heat pumps, Belmont can achieve its climate action goals. In an email to the Citizen Herald following town meeting on May 1st, Colton wrote, quote, the final vote, which was not merely positive but overwhelmingly positive, was gratifying to show that the Energy Committee is on the right track with its roadmap. Town Meeting had previously, in 2009, decided that it wanted to take aggressive action to address climate change at the local level in endorsing the Town's Climate Action Plan and calling for the creation of the Energy Committee. Now, Town Meeting continues to give substance to the objective by reducing Belmont's emissions by 80% by 2050 through endorsing the specific goals and timelines set forth in the roadmap." Over to you, Bob.
0: Thank you, Max. New Belmont Chocolate Shop officially opens. Tik tock Chocolates, 111 Trapello Road, Cushing Square, Belmont, officially opened for business on May the 1st. Owners Dee and Jim Champlin of Waltham held a ribbon-cutting ceremony to celebrate. Tick-Tock Chocolates specializes in handmade chocolate truffles, chocolate bars, chocolate-covered pretzels, and pate de fruit. Hours of operation are Wednesdays through Friday at 11 a.m. to 8 p.m., Saturdays 10 a.m. to 8 p.m., and Sundays 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. For, for more information, visit tiktokchocolates.com. And now over to Claire.
1: Thanks, Bob. 30 Petals Closing After 25 Years by Joanna Zovellas. Winchester resident Erica Kleinkoff opened the doors to her boutique, 30 Petals, 34 Leonard Street in Belmont Center 25 years ago she recently announced to her customers that she is closing her lease is up for renewal at the end of June and she decided not to renew she said she decided it was time after 25 years everything in the store is on sale including store fixtures 30 Petals is the second long-standing independently owned Belmont Center store to close its doors in recent months. Terra Firma closed March 21st after more than 30 years in business. The store hours are Monday through Wednesday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., Thursday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., Friday and Saturday, 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m., and Sunday, 1 to 5 p.m. Now here's Max.
2: Defending Jacob Seeking Extras Kendall Cooper Casting is now accepting extra submissions for the upcoming limited series Defending Jacob, currently filming in Boston and surrounding areas. Production is seeking people of all ethnicities, ages, genders, sizes, and types to play reporters, lawyers, photographers, camera operators, law enforcement officers, middle school students, restaurant patrons, and various other characters throughout the series specifically seeking interesting faces of all ethnicities. Seeking SAG and non-union talent. All extra work is paid. Local hire only, no travel or housing provided. To apply, email bostonextras at kendallcoopercasting.com. Three current photos, one close-up of face, and two full-body photos. Please make sure these photos show your current hairstyle, length, and current facial hair, if any. Back
0: to you, Bob. Along with my colleagues, Claire and Max, we thank you for listening to the Talking News and hope you've enjoyed the show. We will return in two weeks on June the 4th for another edition of Local News Happenings Around Belmont.